Hi guys, thanks for listening in. Uh, really appreciate that some of you have subscribed. If you haven't subscribed yet, uh, please do. It means a lot to see that people are actually out there listening. On this week's episode, I just want to have a chat about rope access in general. What's going on out there? What winds me up about it? Um, what I think we could do better? Um, yeah, just have a bit of a chat. I'm sure you guys will have some comments on what I have to say. You can find us at Rope Access Tips, Tricks and Chats on Facebook. Be great to hear from you. Okay, here comes my first gripe. I'm an Arada assessor, as some of you know. I'm also an instructor. And one of the parts of the syllabus that really winds me up is the level one descent rescue. Uh, have no problem it being done on separate ropes. The thing that gets me about it is watching a level one get hung up on an ASAP or a duck or whatever other type of backup device. In this day and age, I can't believe that we're still doing an intervention rescue for our entry-level guys on a single descender with a backup device. You find that with the ASAP, they've been trained to put the lock on, and when they go to descend off, the lock's on, and they get stuck on it. What I'm looking to move over to in our training facilities is um, getting level ones to do intervention rescues, but doing it on two descenders. So they'll be uh, utilising the casualties descender and utilising their own descender. Obviously, it depends on the distance apart, but on a basic level one rescue, the ropes are normally set up pretty close together, so this shouldn't really be a problem. What would be even nicer is to get the level one to put his ID or rig or whatever device he happens to be using round the other way when he goes to the rescue and then both handles are going to be faced in the correct configuration so he can use both of them at the same time. Obviously, this is going to move us away from needing extra friction carabiners and both ropes are going to be weighted. So if there was some sort of mainline failure, then uh, you're not going to fall anywhere. Your weight's just going to go onto the other rope. So that's my number one gripe out of the way. Moving on to number two. Trying to stay with a rescue theme here. What are we doing with crawl rescues? This one's a bit controversial, but um, I know I've chatted to a few people in industry about it. We've got a uh, casualty hanging on a chest ascender, crawl, whatever you want to call it. And we need to go and rescue them. So we climb up the ropes. Back in the good old days when we were only carrying one backup. Yep, we were carrying a shunt. There it is, guys. I've said the word. And we would take a spare cow's tail, clip it onto the casualty, and then we remove the shunt and the cow's tail, and then we place it above them. So our backup point would be the casualty who's hanging on his chest ascender problem that obviously we have with that is if we have a mainline failure on the rescuer's mainline they're going to fall onto that cow's tail and then that's going to weight the chest ascender i know some tests were done quite a few years ago and uh, it was shown that even when it's fully loaded with 100 kilos on it if you drop another 100 kilos onto it it damages the rope and obviously that's not something that we need to see so we've moved away from that as an industry which is really good so now we head up there using some sort of backup device asap duck um red whatever it might be so we get below them we install a secondary backup device above the casualty take the first one off so we haven't got any connections onto them so that's all really good but then what uh, some people do when what some people are training is they then um, get the uh, rescuer to attach a cow's tail onto the casualty 
and I've heard people say, well, if I have a mainline failure, I'm going to fall onto my backup device before I'm going to fall onto that cow's tail, and so the crawl won't damage the rope at all. Depending on what device you're using, depending on where it's located, this could be true or it might not be. The next thing that we go and do is get a carabiner, attach it from our descender over to the casualty's chest. So now we've got a really short connection from the casualty over to us. The issue I see with this is if I have a mainline failure being the rescuer, there is no way I'm going to fall onto my backup device on that mainline of the casualties. I'm going to fall straight onto that carabiner, which is then attached to the casualty's chest. I know that during an assessment, if a level one clips a carabiner from their chest onto the casualty by mistake and ends up hanging on it, this can be a major issue because obviously they've then got 100 kilos hanging off of their um, sternal attachment and then all the weight's going onto their collarbones and their shoulders and folding them in half. But I think it'd be even worse if there was a mainline failure for the rescuer uh, at this point, and then uh, he falls onto the casualty. The way that we've got around this at our training centres is we teach guys to put the casualties descender on. Don't actually have any connections. Don't clip a cow's tail to them. Don't clip a carabiner to them. Put their descender on and... However you want to do a counterbalance rescue, you lift them off of their crawl, drop them onto their descender. So then we don't have this potential issue of us falling onto a tooth device and ending up hanging on their chest. So that's, uh, that's a way we've moved for that. And then you could quite easily, if you do this, if you put the descender the other way around on the casualty, you could then utilize two descenders rather than having to utilize a backup device and a descender one on the casualty and one on you. Hope that all makes sense. A uh, little bit of words here. Maybe I need to start a YouTube channel, show you some of this stuff. Might be a way forward. Let me know what you think. Jump on the Facebook page. Let us know what you think. Send me a message. All good. Don't mind how I chat to you guys, but it would be great to chat to you. Going to mix it up a bit now. Going to talk about something that I really like. Been running around DRR to seen for quite a long time. I remember the good old days when uh, assessors would just be handing out the hardest things they possibly could. Team exercises weren't team exercises. They were some sort of endurance event for hauling casualties around. They'd put a dummy somewhere and then you'd have to drag it three times around the training centre through all sort of various things. Yeah, it was all good fun, but not really what we need in industry. I'm really liking the way that the team exercises are worked now. It's not a rescue. I've seen quite a few assessors now setting up a team exercise. It needs to be planned properly and needs to put a risk assessment together, identify some hazards and the risks associated with those hazards, implement some controls and list them, whether it's on a documentation or whether it's done on a whiteboard and then the task is undertaken and it doesn't necessarily turn into a rescue. Everybody seems to be paranoid on assessment day that, oh, it's going to turn into a rescue. When do I need to rescue the guy? I'm liking the way that a lot of assessors are saying, no, it's a team exercise. It's a job. This is you going to work, what you'll be doing next week or what you were doing last week. So, um, yeah, I'm really liking that. Now let's have a chat about what's going on on site. Oh, one of the things that winds me up so much. Managing those abrasive edges at the top of buildings, guys. I've worked around town quite a lot. I'm based down in Australia. I'm in Sydney and turning up on site and watching guys going over the edge and all they've got is a piece of carpet protecting their ropes. This one's going to be a bit of a rant. 
I apologise in advance, but please don't use carpet. It's not designed for that. So uh, what have you got? An old piece of carpet that came out of somebody's house somewhere that they didn't even want to walk on anymore, and you're putting it on the edge of the building to protect your ropes. They do work really well for the first time while it's protecting your ropes and you do that first drop. And then what happens, you go back up to the top, you need to pull your ropes up. So you start pulling your ropes up. We've got nylon rubbing on nylon. I'm going to assume that the carpet isn't 100% wool. Uh, I'm guessing it didn't come from uh, the really posh house around town. And now that nylon rubbing on nylon just wears down all of the uh, carpet that's sitting over that edge. And so you end up with this really nice groove into the carpet. And all that's left once that's been worn down is some thread that runs the opposite of the horizontal direction. Not a perfect way to uh, set your next drop up because you know as soon as you put that rope back on that carpet, it's going to drop straight into that groove. So now we don't have any protection. Basically what I'm saying here, guys, is please do me a massive favour. Go out there, buy yourself some decent edge protection. Uh, get some rollers. It makes pulling your ropes up real easy. Get some decent... Uh, rope protectors having one for each rope makes it easier for getting over the edge which is always a benefit and uh, as i say those edge rollers work really well might be a small investment whenever i seem to head out on site if i'm uh, gonna go on contract for somebody and uh, i'm turning up and they say now we've got all of the equipment working for another rider company for example the one thing that i do take is a big bag of rope protectors edge rollers i always find that that's the one thing that's missing from most companies kits so if you're looking as an individual if you do run your own kit if you're looking to spend some money and uh, expand your kit i would say edge rollers and that type of thing is definitely the way forward so here's the next one going back to the training center or on site uh question for you let's just imagine something for a second you're on site and there's a technician working with you and you see him get into his ascending gear so his hand ascender goes on he stands up he puts his chest ascender on and then you notice that he doesn't have any attachment from his harness to his hand ascender you then go and ask him the question, why haven't you got a lanyard on the hand ascender, a cow's tail, whatever it might be. The normal response that you get is, it's not a point of attachment, so it doesn't have to be attached to me. This is another area that gripes me a little bit. It's not one of your connection points, that's correct, but it is another tool. If I gave the same individual a drill, a screwdriver, nine times out of ten, that individual is going to have the knowledge and the skill that they want to make sure that that tool that I've given them has some sort of lanyard, so if they drop it, it doesn't go flying to the ground. For me, it's the same with a hand ascender. You know, it is a tool, even though it's part of the rope access gear, it needs to be on some sort of attachment point. So what most people do is they have a cow's tail that clips onto it. And then that can be used for other things as well, aid climbing, etc. if needed. So that's uh, one thing. The next one is, if they do have a lanyard on it, they don't have the carabiner done up on that um, cow's tail. And many assessors I've had come through my training centre, they will say, if there's a carabiner on there, it needs to be done up. The reason that they're saying that is that we put 100% of our weight onto that foot loop and so there's 100% of our weight going onto that carabiner so they want to see that carabiner done up uh, because it's weighted 
I do like playing around with uh, some of the assessors who have come through the place and I know how they have taught people over the years. So my next discussion is what about when I'm aid climbing, if I have a short cow's tail that I'm hanging on and I have two other cow's tails and I want to move that short cow's tail, do I have to stand up to take the weight off of it before I undo that carabiner? Because once again, that's a carabiner in use uh, with all of our weight on it. Um, that's just me playing around with the uh, assessors and giving them an example where we do accept it. So I find it hard to have a uh, an area on the assessment where you say this must be done up and then another area where you say, oh, well, at that moment you can have it undone. But we've got the uh, individual there. He's got the hand ascender on. He's got the carabiner. This is where I come in. And my point is when I'm running training or even if I'm assessing guys, do them all up. You know, nobody's going to say, oh, you need to have all of your carabiners done up apart from that one there on that hand ascender. Um, if you're using carabiners, they've got screw gates on them, which they have, or you're using auto lockers. We won't even run down that road for now, but that's another area that uh, can wind me up a little bit with the auto lockers, but we'll save that for the next bit. So do them all up. My, my point that I put across to a lot of my candidates is be the best you can be. You know, everybody's aiming on that assessment form for passing their assessment with an excellent. Be the best you can be. If you can do every carabiner up, lock every descender off, you know, put every uh, friction carabiner in when you need it, be slick and tidy, you know, you're going to be closer to getting an excellent. If you've got the occasional carabiner undone on your hand ascender, you haven't locked your descender off correctly, you know, that's not going to get you an excellent, so... If you're going to be a rope access technician, be the best you can be. Okay, here comes the next one. Um, many of you may have noticed that with our industry, a lot of things are moving over to being automatic. We have panic features built into devices, which is a good thing if somebody loads a device the wrong way around. Inexperienced, they load it the wrong way around. We've got that. We now have... Descenders coming out with um, handles on them when you let go of them they flick back to the locked off position and with carabiners we have uh, auto locking carabiners that have been there so try lock um, you let go of it and it locks for you some training centers are moving over to put in their technicians on auto locking carabiners and the auto locking descenders to increase the likelihood of them passing the assessment because they won't have a unlocked device or they won't have a carabiner undone. This is another area that concerns me with the way the industry's going. Um, what's the best way to describe how this is? So I'm training you in my training centre and you've been taught on auto-locking carabiners. Because it's in a nice clean environment, Every carabiner gets checked on a regular basis. It always auto-locks. And you get into the habit of just connecting it and letting it go, and it auto-locks. To me, that's not teaching you the technique or the skill that you need for an industry. Whether it's an auto-locking or a screw-gate carabiner, you need to check to make sure that that carabiner has uh, been done up and locked in the correct way. Out in the field, you know, working in the the dust of uh, Australia, in the red dust, it gets into these uh, carabiners and so they can start to get clogged up and they don't lock. So you need to make sure, you need to check it. And in the training centre, it's not about, you know, making sure people 
do every carabiner up. It's about making sure that people know the habit of having to check every carabiner when they connect it. Do they do a function check? Do they give it a squeeze to make sure that it locks off? Then with the new range of descenders that are coming out, the Petzl range was sort of one that I've seen quite a lot of. So you've got the rig or the idea where the handle flicks all the way around to about four, half past four, five o'clock mark as you're looking at it. Um, what I've found with those devices is if your hand's in the wrong place, it smacks you on the back of the hand pretty hard. Uh, I've seen that a few times. Maybe that's smacking you on the hand for all those times you haven't locked your descender off over the years. Who knows? Or um, the other one that I've seen is because people are used to letting go of that device and it locking off automatically, they're not checking it again, so they're not doing that check to make sure that it's locked off. And the rope that's coming out of the device actually stops the handle from going to the locked off position. So once again, this isn't this isn't about making sure it, you know the device they have the skill of locking it off. It's about making sure that they check that the device is in the locked off position rather than just assuming that it is. You know, uh, best way I describe it to a lot of people who come into my training center. I'm sure you've all got a friend who's big into his cars and he has his SSU or his big Holden or Ford or whatever particular vehicle he chooses to drive, but it's an automatic. He doesn't even get the full driving experience because he can only drive an automatic. You know, for me, if I'm going to learn a skill, I want to learn the whole skill rather than just the easy option. So, yeah, there's another gripe for you. Hopefully that's all I'm going to throw at you in this episode. Really looking forward to you guys telling me what you think. You know, do you have any gripes that I've missed? Do you want to have a rant? Find us on Facebook, Rope Access Tips, Tricks and Chats. Love to have a chat with you. If you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe uh, to the podcast. It's great to see that a lot of people are listening to these podcasts on a regular basis. I'm getting some really good feedback. Some people are coming up with some great ideas of future episodes. So, yeah, keep all that coming in. Really enjoy it. I'm getting a lot out of sharing my knowledge. Gives me somewhere to have a bit of a rant as well, which is quite nice. But anyway, for now, stay safe. I'll see you soon. Cheers. Cheers.